Welcome to Lazarus Theatre Company's new podcast, Spotlight On, where we turn the spotlight on to reveal the people behind the scenes, those who make Lazarus work, the creatives, the artists, the process, the creation. Hello, I'm Gavin Harrington Odidra, producer of Lazarus Theatre Company. Hello, and I'm Ricky Dukes, artistic director of Lazarus Theatre Company. This week, we talked to actor, musician, writer, self-proclaimed nerd, and Lazarus alum, Paula James. Paula trained at Drama Studio London and has appeared on stage and screen in London, around the UK and internationally, had multiple plays performed in theatres around London, and written and released an EP. Paula began her Lazarus voyage over 10 years ago in our 2010 production of Hecuba at the New Diorama Theatre, then went on to play Queens, Duchesses and Sisters of Kings from Greece, Italy and Judea in Electra, The Revenge's Tragedy with last week's guest Jamie O'Neill, and in the first professional production of the first play written by a woman, The Tragedy of Mariam. Paula, thank you for joining us and welcome to Spotlight On. Thank you very much for having me. This is very exciting. This is, isn't it? Um, yeah. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Yeah, I'm really well, which is a blessing because it's, you know, it's springtime. So feeling that rejuvenation, which is lovely. The lighting's very good in your room. Thank good. you. Thanks. I, uh, I've set it up so I've got double windows in front of me. It makes me glow. Good. Good. I'm a bit too two faced with mine, light on one side and dark on the other. I didn't really think about it. <laughs> so, uh, how have you been creative um, and keeping inspired during lockdown, Paula? Um, well, uh, thankfully, by working, um, I've been incredibly lucky um, that I've been able to work as an actor and a musician um, throughout. Uh, half of last year and and some of this year and hopefully some projects in the future so actually through doing it through working um the first lockdown obviously everything paused uh i'd just been cast in a new musical that clearly did not go ahead um which was understandable i think that's the thing is that as as frustrating and you know upsetting as everything is for when suddenly everything sort of changed and and cancelled it was absolutely understandable and I think we are quite lucky as creatives because we're used to being adaptable and we're used to sort of that sense of uncertainty so mm -hmm. yeah that 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 first lockdown I sort of just allowed myself to not have to be creative um and then come summer i um i got my first sort of covid friendly job um which was an outside production with guildford shakespeare company and uh yeah sort of from then i've been incredibly lucky to have continued to work okay yeah. so since march 16th 2020 that fateful day um mm -hmm. you've you've had a, a production that, that closed or didn't happen because because yeah. of the shutdown um how has so you've just talked about a covid secure outdoor production how has your work kind of changed in the last year well i i would class myself predominantly as a theater actor um certainly a live performer and um apart from that outdoor show which was called by eternal summer 
which I only say because the irony of it happening on the rainiest week that we had in summer <laughs> in an outdoor promenade play, you know, it was, uh, yeah, thank you, universe. Um, so, <laughs> um, so essentially it was suddenly we were working to this incredibly strict, very interesting guidelines where, you know, going into a rehearsal room and it's all marked out so that you know where two meters is and you know what what zones you're allowed to be in and at the time we did it so that we were working in pods as i say it's a promenade piece so we're working in pods the audience would be sat outside and they were able to sit in their bubbles in groups of one or two spread out and everything was sprayed down between each audience um and they'd start at the first one and then they'd walk 10 minutes to get to us. So it was myself and uh, another actor that sort of did the bulk of our scenes. And then they'd go off and then we'd sort of reset and start again. So we ended up doing this 20 minute scene four times. And on two show days, it, it sort of became this maelstrom of, well, have we done this before? <laughs> have I said these lines to you already? It was, yeah, very interesting and challenging. And of course, we as the performers had to remain two metres away. And there are sort of guidelines for if you're singing, it needs to be three metres, it needed to be three metres away. And it had to be two metres away if you were looking at each other. But if you were side by side, you could be one metre away. And it was like a sort of strange ballet where you found yourself backing up when someone got too close and then sort of trying to close the distance when you could finally do so it was yeah it was it sounds interesting like a, sounds like a math problem <laughs> yeah yeah all, all that sort of it does sort of make me think of Lazarus warm-ups where you do that that shoal fish exercise where you as an ensemble move together and no one's leading but you're sort of reading off each other and it it, it was that really it was that sort of give and take and being really in tune with one another which is tricky to do when you've got like a week's rehearsal which is the other thing that's really changed in my work is that rehearsal periods are really truncated um again it's because i think they're a bit concerned that and and just to go back that that's why we were in our pods and we were only allowed to speak to people in our pods is that if a pod went down they still had a show right because someone else could step in and do something else in that pod and the other two pods aren't affected and i think that's a, a consideration at all points with people who are making work at the moment is well what if they go down mm -hmm. and you know who do they take out along the way <laughs> um so yeah, so rehearsal periods have, have become much shorter because of that risk factor. Mm. Um, and a lot of stuff that I've done now has been screen. So, and I was very lucky, as I say, that um, a lot of incredible uh, venues outside of London um, worked very hard to keep going. Um, Guildford Shakespeare Company had to keep going. They get no money from anything other than sort of ticket sales and and gifts, which I know resonates with a lot of creatives. Um, and so they've been they've moved to doing things online, live online. They've um, been recording uh, live performances to share with schools. So keeping their 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 toes in that way. Um, and 
uh, a lovely company that I worked with called Hiccup Theatre. Um, they managed to get some funding to turn uh, all well, songs from a few of shows that they've done into a CD, which I worked on, which is here, which is my favourite thing. It's called Goldie Red and Gingerbread. So Lovely. it's three, yeah, the three different shows they did. So we sort of were working on that distanced as well and all recorded separately and, you know, and working at the New Vic, they revisited. And that's the thing that a lot of people did. They revisited work so that, again, you didn't have to do the rehearsals it was able to like people knew what they were doing and so you could go in and, and just slightly tweak what had been done so i'd worked at the new vic in their horde festival which was incredible some years ago god i think it might have been 2015 i'm not sure um and they, so they revisited it last year which meant that we sort of went in and did three i did three shows with them um unearthed which is a verbatim piece about the unearthing of the anglo-saxon hoard of gold that was unearthed up there which was kind of phenomenal it was an amazing find um and then two sort of individual plays like short plays uh that have been written for me um well i say for me no had been written and then i got to do them <laughs> um <laughs> But yeah, for, so you, they, yeah. for me, yeah, <laughs> my, my one was written by the amazing Izzy City, um, which I just, yeah, I was so excited to be working with her words. She's so fab. Um, and, and so, and then what they did there, what their plan was, was to sort of show that as a, a cinema screening with like all these different things as a revisiting and just as they were doing that, the next lockdown happened and they then had to stream it instead. So it's about people being adaptable, mm. finding ways of creating work quickly with minimal risk and sharing it out. Um, gosh, I've spoken for ages. No, <laughs> Can't great. even remember what the question well, was. <laughs> what have you been doing? Uh, so okay, it, great. <laughs> it sounds like you've been incredibly busy, um, but can you take us right back to the beginning? How did you become an actor? Ah. This is interesting to me, obviously, because I'm incredibly interesting to myself. <laughs> of um, it's, it's actually <laughs> it's actually interesting because I I was asked that for the Hiccup Theatre job to write a little blurb, and I it was around the time of George Floyd's death, murder, and uh, it I was really thinking of race. It was very much in the forefront of my mind and of um, the, the people that I had in my life that looked like me, that I could look up to, that I could even sort of see around me when I was growing up. And I grew up in a, a white family. I'm, I'm mixed race, um, white and um, Afro-Caribbean. And my family was white. And I grew up in essentially a very white uh, neighborhood. And I was good at singing and I was told I was good at singing and I was treated quite differently in other areas. But when I sang, people told me I was good at it. And so it sort of was expected. It just felt like it was expected that I would go on to be a singer. And then I started doing school plays and I'd go on to be an actor. And, you know, it was just sort of this thing that 
I absolutely was like, yeah, this is exactly what I want to do. But because I was thinking about it properly, from a slightly different stance um, earlier last year, I do wonder if it, if I would have been something else, if I'd seen that I could have been something else. Mm-hmm. Um, this is why I say it's interesting. Um, but yes, so essentially <laughs> I was good at singing and I enjoyed school plays and I did drama at school and went on to do it at college. I don't come from an acting or performing family. Um, we're lower working class um at best and uh, and they didn't really sort of know or understand but they were definitely supportive mm-hmm. but also had that thing of like well you know acting's hard so you've got to have something else that you can do I, yeah of course yes of course I, I'll have to find that something else that I can do and so I ended up spending about seven or eight years doing that something else that I could do just to make sure I could really do it mm-hmm. I need to realize that I had forgotten to do the thing I wanted to do. So I didn't go to drama school until I was 25, I think. So it was much later than a lot of people. Just a baby. 25 is just a baby, right? <laughs> a mere youth. <laughs> but I, and, and actually, I'm glad that I went that late. But I, you know, I, I, it was one of those things that I would have gone sooner if I'd sort of been told I could go sooner. Um, but the people around me were sort of going, oh, no, don't, don't, don't do it until you know you can do something else. <laughs> so um, I went to Drama Studio London. I, I graduated uh, 2010, came straight out. Mm-hmm. Um, doing, when training, DSL was very good at impressing upon you, that, well, certainly impressing upon me, that I wasn't going to be a leading lady that I was always going to have to work really, really hard. I wasn't just going to walk into a job. It was going to be very hard. And so it's best that we learn to make our own theatre. And I think that was an incredible thing to be instilled with. Not necessarily the nicest way, like who's going to want you go and make your own stuff. Mm. But it was a good, it was a great work ethic to come away with. Um, And so pretty much, well, the day after graduation, I'd, uh, myself and three other actors from the course set up a little theatre company and we started working with a company called First Draft and uh, devised, wrote and put on our first piece Mm -hmm. ever, which was like, yeah, we're doing it. We're acting straight out of drama school. We've done it. Mm -hmm. Um, Which, yeah, was incredible. And then my next job was at Hecuba. Right, yes. Yeah, yeah. Which was, of course, the 2010 production that we did at the New Diorama, yeah. Yeah. Um, right, so that was straight out, but essentially straight out of drama school. Yeah, yeah, Great. it really was. Okay. <laughs> um, d- so in terms of your acting and, and your acting since uh, drama school at, up until now, do you think that you, do you have a process? And if you do, do you think you'd be able to describe your process? <laughs> um, I think I, I certainly do. The mechanics of it are very simple. It's sort of do enough to understand the play, do enough to understand the character, do enough to understand yourself and your relationship to both the play and the character, um, and prep for rehearsals. 
and try and be as as ready and open as possible for rehearsals um yeah i think one of the things that we used to get asked a lot when um doing q and a's is that how do you learn your lines and i remember being quite a young actor and being like oh god they're gonna ask that again oh, how are you gonna oh god like and actually an older actor turned to me was like it's a really valid question how do you these these people want to know they want to learn like don't be sensible and think about it and i was like yeah yes actually yeah you're totally right i've just adopted this this sort of uh, opinion about people who ask that question without really thinking about it it's tough learning lines can be really tough paula how do you learn your lines <laughs> well let me tell you <laughs> um i have to use a combination of things i i read it and reread it i listen i record it and listen back to it i think the key for me learning the lines is to try and find some spark of um of of it coming from me so really sitting in the character and finding that thought process to make it logical and understand that logic and that reason even if it seems unreasonable from the outside um yeah it it takes it takes a while but it's fun it's it's a good it's a great part of it if you don't like doing it i think you should become a presenter because then you can just read the lines and you don't have to learn <laughs> yes, it no, no auto cues in theater right <laughs> no, <laughs> if no, there is there's something very wrong <laughs> <laughs> yeah yep um okay so that was that was 2010 that you you graduated from uh, drama studio um mm. so uh, let's take us all the way to 2017 um, which to me, looking at your, <laughs> looking at your uh, website, um, uh, was a year of firsts for you. So you released an EP and you also had uh, a play performed for the first time. So first of all, tell us, tell us how both of these happened. Um, okay, so the EP was actually born of my lovely mum getting me a present of uh, a recording session at this little recording studio in West London, um, which I was like, fantastic, yes, please, because I'm, I'm a singer-songwriter and I play, like, I play classical guitar. And so all my songs are just me and the guitar and that sort of it. Um, and I thought, oh, fab. And I went along and went into this wonderfully intimidating uh, recording studio under some arches and like past some mechanics <laughs> went in where all the artist places are yeah. <laughs> right went up the stairs and saw all these sort of like rappers and hip-hop stars <laughs> like well stars I'm not sure but they were certainly posing <laughs> like stars on the pictures um, and got up there and like tap 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 to the hi yeah I'm here for my session <laughs> and he was really sweet and lovely and told me a little bit of gossip about the people on the walls and um and I went in, did the, the session, and it was interesting to me because, as I say, I play and sing. So that was sort of how I was approaching it. And it wasn't until halfway through, he was like, you know, <laughs> you could just play and I record it and then you could sing afterwards. <laughs> it was like, oh, that's a really clever idea. Like, <laughs> Why hasn't someone thought of this before? <laughs> You've done this before. Um, <laughs> but... As I say, I play and sing, and the weird, the weird thing is, I can play better when I don't sing, 
but I couldn't sing better without playing. So right. it was this, it was a really interesting time to like explore and find things out and, and, and try things. And I, I had a great session came out and he turned to me and was like, we really like your stuff. What do you think about us producing it and releasing it with you as an EP? And I was like, yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that sounds fab. Do, do You're I not going to say no to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Do I have to do anything? And he was like, yeah, well, come on back and we'll do some pickups and we'll um, change it all around and, and then we'll uh, I'll master it and we'll, we'll get it out and we'll get promoted. And I was like, yes, please. Right. That sounds great yeah so that happened what's it called that happened it's called shelter okay um by paula james but not the country western singer paula james who did have like i was under her umbrella for a short while so i'm not her i'm the other paula james (laughs) the other paula our paula james the one that we know yeah yeah um and so um, they can find it on iTunes and on Amazon to download for monies. Mm-hmm. Great. I think they're like 99p each yeah. if they fancy it. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Um, and you also had a play, uh, your first play performed yeah. as well. Yeah, that was really cool. Um, I write short plays presently. Um, I dabble with long form and have not got to a place where I feel confident to share my long form stuff yet. Um, so I, I actually entered it into a competition and it was chosen. Uh, the theme was what keeps me awake. Um, and the piece is called bed air and it's about a couple sort of tucking down to bed. Um, and a sort of argument bubbling up and it's, ultimately coming from nothing but also coming from just a place of being really scared about what tomorrow brings um and yeah so it's sort of exploring that and yeah it got chosen which was lovely and it had a week's run um with these other winners performed by um oh kdc i think theater um yes it was really cool it was really interesting to go and see people say my words uh not the way i imagined some of them which i think must be an interesting thing as a writer to them the the voices aren't the voices in your head right yeah (laughs) exactly (laughs) Uh, well for one thing i'd written it to be and i try usually to write females or non-gender specific and so the names were sam and ellie or eli like depending on how you um, read the spelling. And so it, it was, it, it's always interesting to me how people cast my stuff, considering I've written it with, and ri- yes, I've written it so that mm, there is no real indication. So then it sort of reflects the person who's cast it. It reflects what they think the gender is for each right. character. And the one who was struggling and, and, and starting the argument and anxious was cast as a woman and the person who was calming her was cast as a man a very charming man and while the character is charming I did just I like I just think that's quite interesting to okay cool okay that's how you understood it so there are no gender pronouns there are no there's no description of the characters to begin with and they didn't discuss it with you at all while casting it interesting okay yeah yeah I wonder what was going on and what what discussions they were having um, when they were doing casting. 
yeah, I wonder if they even noticed. I wonder if it was even something that that registered with them or whether they sort of read it and knew immediately that it was exactly how they saw it to be, yeah. Um, have you always been writing and acting and uh, writing music <laughs> and plays and is this always been what you've been doing? Yeah, I, so I started with music. Um, I play classical guitar and having done music GCSE, um, we had to sort of write music there and I did performing arts uh, A level and we had to write music there and my first uh, like piece, class classical piece that I wrote um, called Gypsy Minuet, I wrote as sort of around 16 and I was part of a, a classical guitar ensemble uh, and we went sort of touring around it. We played here and toured Italy and uh, Norway. And the guy who was conducting it, who had been my teacher since I was sort of eight, uh, Peter Woodings, who passed away sadly, but um, yeah, he was very inspirational. And he loved the piece that I'd written and sort of worked it into the repertoire. So yeah, so it actually it was really amazing to be playing a piece that I'd written that, you know, 12 guitars were playing the three different parts of it. And to the point where sometimes I didn't play, I would just sit there grinning, you know, like, <laughs> this is amazing. Um, and so sort of from that, I then was writing songs. Um, and I was, so the, the job that I was doing before training to be an actor, my sensible job uh, was uh, to be a an aerobics instructor and a dance teacher so actually I was choreographing a lot um mm. for those six years of doing that because obviously that's what you sort of have to do which is a sort of kind of writing um in a way mm. in a way in its way in the way that I did it <laughs> which was literally like writing out the counts writing yeah. out the moves you know, there, working <laughs> right? <laughs> right um so yeah I guess I have but when it comes to playwriting, I, I, my failing, but I think I have been waiting for permission. Um, and I think, you know, I, I got to work with an incre incredible, incredible, that's not a word, um, an incredible uh, director who's also a performer and activist, um, Natasha Rickman. And she, gosh, I hope she won't mind me saying her name um she was I don't know if she still is but she was an associate at German Street Theatre and she was reading a lot of like plays and and ideas uh that people were sending into her and she was saying that there were very few uh entries from women because they were sitting there waiting until it was perfect whereas she was receiving sometimes just like a page from a man being like I've got this great idea we could do this play and it would start like this and like not even writing a script but sort of submitting it as if it was one and she's helped me realize that it doesn't need to be perfect just write it get people to read it get some feedback and learn from that and so that's what I've been doing since, so 2017 was sort of around the time that I, I met her and yeah, she's been really inspirational um, and integral in me sort of pursuing the playwriting side of things. Amazing. Yeah, she is.
Okay, Paula, back to 2010 again. Um, <laughs> yep. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about some of your Lazarus work. So 2010, yeah. uh, we had, um, it was our first production together, my first production with Lazarus and your first production with Lazarus, um, mm -hmm. the a production of Hecuba at the New Diorama Theatre. Um, what do you remember at that time? Um, I just, I remember it being summer and I'd just come out of drama school and I'd landed this awesome part with this incredible company. So many of us, the cast was vast, wasn't it? The chorus. It was massive. Yeah, it was, it was so fantastic. And we, at drama school, my principal told me, uh, Peter Craze, when I asked him what I'd be playing, you know, go there and sort of say, oh, what, what are my typecasts likely to be? And he said I'd be playing uh, cleaners and single mothers. Right. And mm -hmm. and so I sort of came out thinking, well, no, <laughs> absolutely not. And it, it sort of, unfortunately, was sort of symptomatic of my time there. But for the fact that we worked with an amazing director called Johnny Kemp, Jonathan Kemp, and he worked us, we did Caucasian Chalk Circle, mm -hmm. and he worked us as ensemble. He worked us using what we had on stage to create other things. And it was exactly the kind of stuff I wanted to do. So then to come out and to get a, a part in Hecuba, which was exactly that kind of work that I wanted to do, that ensemble, that heartbeat, that creating with our bodies and with each other. It was, it was a dream. It was a total dream. And I remember thinking that you and Ricky must have been working together for years. And I remember talking to you one day at lunch or walking to rehearsals um, from the station and that you had the same impression of me that I'd been, I'd like clearly worked with Ricky before. It did seem and like it, that, yeah. <laughs> right? But it was just this fantastic collection of people who just got each other i think that was indicative of the of the room we, you know, yes the, the the walk that you're talking about is from the station at Walthamstow to the um old rose and crown uh that lovely uh, we were using it as a rehearsal space but it was also a theater um and yeah that was i think indicative of of the of the rehearsal process that that ricky had um created was that we all seemed like that we were kind of part of it and had been part of it for a long time definitely yeah yeah and that sense of ownership so one of the things that um that he got us to do as chorus um was to to write as our characters like write to these lost people these lost things that we, that we had lost as mm -hmm. a result of the fall and it it, it allowed us to own Mm. the the play mm. in such an interesting way in such an open and and you know communal way it was really inspiring it was really fantastic because i i can imagine a cast that size working as intensively as we did could easily have sort of fragmented and mm. <laughs> turned on each other and especially mm. in that heat and mm. but actually the people that you'd cast the the way that we'd worked together yeah, it, it was such a strong and empowering process. Yeah. So tell me two things. Um, can you tell us uh, and the listeners what Hecuba is about? Uh, and also, can you tell us how many people were in the production? 
Uh, yes. <laughs> Hecuba is about the fall of Troy, mm -hmm. she says with a question in her voice. Um, uh, and it, it's, it's sort of about that, really. Mm. It's about going, it's going from having everything to having nothing, it all mm. being stripped away. And um, one of the daughters is taken away to be sacrificed. I will. Polyxena. I see. I was going to say Polyxena, so well, yes. I'm glad that you said that. Tomato, tomato. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, uh, uh, it, the chorus was like 18 of us. I think there was yeah uh, about 22 people in the cast. I think. Yeah. So, yeah. Cool. Cool. It was big, yeah. and and the great thing about that process that you were talking about for me, um, that Ricky had everyone in the in the company write a letter to someone that they'd lost mm. was it also allowed them everyone gave themselves a name every every character mm. had a name um you weren't just cho chorus and and you know can be this this anonymous group of people but each one of you had a name had a had a had a person that was that was at the heart of, of what they were doing which i thought mm. really helped the production as a whole yeah definitely mm. definitely because suddenly then the chorus is everyone else who's affected by this sudden turmoil mm. you know having everything stripped away when it, it wasn't your fault you've done absolutely nothing wrong it's you know it's like when war sweeps through a country and suddenly you find that you've got everything that you can carry on you and that's it and you, you were all refugees weren't home. you yeah absolutely yeah mm. yeah mm. And it was stunning. It was beautiful. That it was beautiful, such a beautiful mirrored production. Floor, yes. Mirrored floor, yes. Production <laughs> yes. shots of that are great. Really yeah. good uplighting. Yeah, and that's all I ask for, really, <laughs> in a show. <laughs> um, do you remember how the production, how the audience was um, invited into the space? Of course, I remember how they were invited into the space. It was by a beautiful song written by Ricky. I can still remember some of it. Uh, and it was a beautiful smoky atmosphere which used to set off the fire alarms and delay the start of the show. <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> <laughs> and we were all sort of at this luxurious cocktail party and I was stood in the middle singing this really sort of jazzy song on repeat really until we got clearance which as I say didn't happen too swiftly when the fire alarm was going off but it, it yeah and then sort of from that pinnacle we then it, everything collapsed and and crumbles and we had to sort of we're stripped of our um, jewelry and those things that make us our individuals and become this anonymous although in our production not so anonymous um group um yeah i remember one show I forgot to take off my rings and I remember thinking oh no <laughs> and I sort of had to like take them off surreptitiously and hide them and I just remember being so furious with myself that that production was on fire <laughs> I was I like I didn't I could not allow myself to make another mistake I was just on point because I made this ridiculously trivial mistake and I just couldn't I couldn't handle it. Like, Where did nope. you hide your jewellery? In my those boots. Cost, uh, yes, because those costumes did not have pockets. They were no. custom. They were custom made for you, and they did not have 
slip them into the into the boobs. <laughs> um, I'm not sure that Ricky would have been particularly happy with a, a hand wringing production of a Greek tragedy, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It was more of a sort of like oh. taking them off, taking them off, <laughs> placing them in a bowl, and then they're sort of carried away from us. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's right. There was that lovely moment where the, um, where the chorus um, bathed Hecuba, wasn't there? Mm, yeah. yeah, perfectly timed for those ring removals. <laughs> <laughs> quick, quick, quick! Go, go, go! <laughs> Um, so then, then a year on, another mm -hmm. summer, um, we come to uh, a production of uh, Electra at the space. Um, you played Clytemnestra in that production, so a, a queen, so not a cleaning lady and not a no, no, not a mother. single mother though, single mm -hmm. mother. Mm -hmm. I'll let him have that. Why yeah. was she? Why was she a single mother though? I have no idea. It's a really interesting <laughs> question. <laughs> she um she may have dispatched with with her partner, you know, or got Maybe. someone to dispatch with them. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't within the realms of our production. It didn't happen in our production. So that's exactly. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. Um, what do you remember of, of 2011 and, and production of Electra? Um, again, summer. Summer's such a good time for, for making theatre. Especially um, the Greeks, like hot. Especially, sticky, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like close and furious. Mm. And mm. you've got somewhere to channel the fury, I guess. <laughs> Um, so this was uh, sort of all done as a sort of rep in that it was hand in hand with, um, oh, what's? Orestes. Orestes, thank you. I was like, Ephesius? That's not a word. <laughs> um, it was done hand in hand with Orestes. So we sort of, we were this mega cast and we were our little casts as well. And I would have thought, again, it's it's just, you know, something that I maybe always expect the worst. I would have thought like a little competition would have broken out or something between us. And I would probably be the first one to feel that competition mm -hmm. if it did. And I didn't feel that. It felt so supportive. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, we were, we were rehearsing over at the space so we had a Sometimes. week i remember mm. we had a week at the space and that was both companies so that mm -hmm. was that was orestes and electra together as one as one. one rep company and then Amazing. the second because we rehearsed for three weeks the second and third week uh, orestes was rehearsing in the space and we went to um the horse in um lambeth north um <laughs> <laughs> i just just had a recovered memory oh yes was that the show where I had that awful toothache? It might have been, yeah. <laughs> and I had to go to the hospital. Yeah, you, um, you did spend a lot of time on a sofa. Yeah. Literally lying on a... I, yeah, I so mean, it was, thankfully... You were living Clytemnestra's life, really, weren't you? <laughs> thankfully, I wasn't used. Clytemnestra didn't sort of appear until way into the show. So I was able just to to lounge on this sofa in the horse yes gosh i they'd given me tramadol which is a fantastic drug i don't know if you've had it but it's like it knocks you sideways it was so good um and so i was sort of just lying there watching these incredible women performing and, and creating around me and gavin in the center sort of conducting and getting involved it was so great um so yes, thankfully, thankfully, you were just so understanding of because twice in in rehearsals, I've sort of been plagued by something. So that and I got a 
a scratch on my cornea during another show and I had to a rehearsal process and I had to wear sunglasses the entire time because the light was just too and I was speaking to a, an actor about it afterwards who'd totally forgotten about that that I'd worn my sunglasses in the rehearsal room for <laughs> so a week cold. <laughs> and she, she said you know what if it had been anyone else they wouldn't have got away with it but because it was you it was fine and I took that to mean because I'm so cool <laughs> that I could get away with it yeah. <laughs> thanks 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 <laughs> um yeah I mean you you were so understanding you could easily have been like no you're a destructive force get out of the room you're out we need someone who can actually talk you know and recast <laughs> really it would have been your prerogative so I'm really grateful no. that you were able to accommodate me um but yes, what was fantastic about that show for me was that I got to slow motion walk from one side of the stage, down the side of the auditorium, round the back of the audience, back up the other side. And that like journey had to take as long as it took for me to start my speech so what was that like 25 minutes yeah i think so yeah um, we longer. you and you started sat on that stall up, up stage um of course thank while, you while everyone was wailing at the beginning um <laughs> and and then yes it was a one very i seem to remember you doing a very long slow motion walk in hecuba as well didn't you this was definitely longer also <laughs> yeah. it was in heels which ah, was yes, trickier yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whereas Hecuba was a nice barefoot walk, which was that's lovely. True. Yeah, um, that, that's right. On that beautiful parquet floor of the space as well. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I um I worked with Red Earth Theatre Company um during the time during my time, um and they got me to do some got us all to do some slow motion work and and um Wendy uh, and Amanda who are the artistic directors there, they said at the end. Paula, you are very good at slow motion. And I was like, Lazarus Theatre, baby. <laughs> Lazarus Theatre Company. They're like, if you need to get good at slow motion, do a production. Because yeah. <laughs> we'll just have you walk for the whole production in slow motion. In slow motion. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's a good workout. You don't mm. even realise. Because I think that... that... I think Electra was just on the hour hour mark. I think the production was an hour. The cool. runtime was an hour because it was in that um, in that rep. Um, yeah, so uh, basically half the show you were just walking <laughs> in so much. And but what an entrance! Like you come in yeah. and you just take over. It's great. Yeah, yeah. It was fab. It was so interesting, <laughs> sort of seeing whether people became aware of me because I'd have to walk in front of audience sometimes, and you know, like they might catch me out the corner of their eye and and be shocked and then like i'm there for so long moving so slowly they get bored and just go back to the action it was really interesting i think part of it is that you're not you're not you're not apologetically walking past you're not saying mm. oh excuse me so there's no i'm de i'm definite i know what i'm doing once i've clocked what you're doing they can just mm -hmm. go back to the action right yeah definitely yeah mm. yeah yeah um, so then, then, and we moved to 2013, we, uh, didn't see you for a couple of years. Well, actually that's <laughs> not true. You, you have this great, um, habit of coming, coming to previews and being one of the most generous <laughs> audience members, um, laughing at all the right moments, um, clapping at all the right moments and just being a great kind of sounding board, uh, and a preview audience. Um, so it wasn't, that we didn't see you for two years, <laughs> but, uh, then we, we come to 2013 and, um, this so Hecuba was um, part of the Camden Fringe. 
-hmm. And then this uh, production, The Tragedy of Marion, was the Camden Fringe as well. Mm -hmm. um, this was the first time that we'd been at the Tristan Bates. Um, mm -hmm. And you played the character of Salome. Um, mm. What do you remember of that time? Do you know, it's so interesting. I uh, this is this one is a tough one for me to fully fully remember. Mm -hmm. I remember an incredible cast. Bless one man in the cast mm -hmm. with lots of women. Mm -hmm. um, I remember the hype about it being the preview of like the first time this piece was being performed yeah um which was really it was so exciting in the rehearsal room to be exploring that as well mm. um i loved the mix of it, it sort of felt like monologue sort of monologue a bit of movement expressive movement monologue bit of expressive movement which I really loved working on mm -hmm. um, and also the character of Salome was just one of my favorites because mm -hmm. she's a bit of a spoiled brat really in my Absolutely, mind yeah. as I remember her yeah. um, which is I, I yeah I, I've got a lot of time for that because it's yeah. who I want to be in life but because I'm the eldest I can't be you know <laughs> It's that. <laughs> it's that. <laughs> so you take on a responsible role, but you get to play those um, those roles you really want to be. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. Clyde Minister might be a little bit like that as well. Yeah, strangely, yeah. That, that single <laughs> mother was a bit of a spoiled brat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, which then takes us on to another spoiled brat in the Revengers tragedy. Um, you played two roles in there. You played the Duchess mm. and you played uh, Gratiana. And of course, that was at the, the Jack Studio Theatre, um, that lovely space in Broccoli. Um, so do, do you remember much of that time, 2015? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, again, really interesting. Um, it was interesting working uh, in that way and being that much older mm -hmm. and having worked with you guys before. I, I don't know whether I imposed it on myself, which is quite possible, or whether it sort of just naturally occurred, but I felt a, a bit of a separation between me and the cast. Mm -hmm. And I, what, I don't know whether that was age or, as I say, something that I was bringing to it. Um, and it and thankfully i think it worked for the characters i was playing mm. i think it really really worked um but it was a really interesting experience and i remember i'd worked with a, a lovely actor called john Apsel, who was telling me about some some jobs that he'd been doing and he'd had a pretty tough time on one of the jobs and he'd said and i sort of go oh, well, what 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 had happened and he said you, you know it just sort of happens sometimes that there's a group of people and there's one that people don't like and you know sometimes that happens to be you for no particular reason and i remember him telling me that and thinking oh that's so sad i've never experienced that before and then <laughs> working on revengers and it wasn't like i felt that i was disliked or anything like that but i did sort of get a, a glimpse into what he was saying in that sometimes you are sometimes you, you can just be on the outside and there not really be anything that you can pinpoint about that um so yeah that was really interesting to experience that and to see sort of how that feels and it got me thinking about lead actors mm -hmm. and how you know how 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 solitary that may be and may feel if they're working with a group who are 
perhaps younger and who have clicked in a particular way that you can't quite get into or you shouldn't get into because you're meant to be this lead actor and separate or you can't because you've got so much going on mm. as a performer that you don't have the extra brain space to to, to dive into that camaraderie on, yeah. yeah yeah um so yeah it, so for personally that was interesting mm. for that reason i mean you did have a lot going you were playing the duchess and you were playing yes. bratiana the mother <laughs> of vendici so you yeah. i mean what what is that like for your head anyway and 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 how do you get around that what do you do um it's it's the switch mm. you just flip a switch right yeah that is. Just... <laughs> do, do you have to build that switch or is that already in there <laughs> You know, you definitely have to assign things to the switch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Otherwise, you'll just switch off. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, 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 it takes a lot of work. I think a Lazarus production takes a lot of work anyway. Because it's ensemble, you, you're on stage all the time. It's absolutely brilliant. I love that. I love it because, because it's all those energies going in to sharing this story. That's how important this story is, right? All of these energies want to share this with you. Come and enjoy, come and experience. Um, so yeah, so it being an ensemble piece was like, um, it means that it's already quite taxing. Um, but no, that it, it was just about really establishing the characters physically and understanding them and their mentality in their, their internal logic so clearly that you're able just to flick that switch and now you're this you know if they especially if it's something physical um I personally I have a thing with my hands and I think it's comes from playing guitar that I have a lot of unconscious movement in my fingers so it's always good for me to pay extra attention to what that character is likely to do with their hands so that I can know what to do with my hands as that character. I know it sounds really silly, <laughs> but, um, but you know, I think that finding that detail so that you can step into it, have that detail literally at your fingertips means you're able personally meant that I was able to switch from one character to the other. Do you find that, um, do you find that um, exper- experimentally, do you just try things out and see what happens, see what sticks, or do, does it come from the text? What, how does that, how does that work? Yeah, I mean, I've done a lot of multi-rolling and I think the easiest way is particularly with this, this production, it was from the text, it's from the text. Otherwise I'm imposing something on it, which sometimes it's necessary to impose stuff onto a text. Um, but actually, I'm very much text from the text out. It's why I love Shakespeare. It's why I love, like, I, I love writers and seeing all the clues that they leave in there for you, the actor, to mine. Um, even in like uh, new writing, you'll see some incredible things that grammatically look wrong but actually it's it's not wrong it's a clue no there's no full stop there that's because she hasn't stopped thinking someone's come in and said something but she still wants to hold on to that thing that she no wait I'm gonna finish this sentence when you stopped you know so yeah for me it comes from the text then it comes from me you know I'd love to be uh, a supermodel 
and like be able to like carry myself like a supermodel and be seen as a supermodel if I were to do that I think people would imagine that I was playing a comedic role (laughs) and it wouldn't come across as a supermodel so it's also about you know what I can do to to project what I'm attempting to project really so yeah it's about knowing myself and seeing how I can show what the text is attempting to say. Um, I, I was taking a little bit of a trip down memory lane and looking at some production shots of uh, the productions that you were in. And it really does seem like you have a habit in some of the most iconic images from these productions to be looking up and off and like you say, your hands are in, in shot as well. <laughs> what, what do you think that's about? Um, I think that's about the fact that I'm quite short and I'm probably having to look up at a fellow actor <laughs> because because they tower above me. Um, yeah, probably. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. That, that sort of pleading. <laughs> mm. um, well, yeah. I mean, some of those some of those moments are are, are lots of pleading. Um, mm. I think I think that's where it's coming from. Um, <laughs> so we're nearly out of time. Um, but I'm going to quickly, for a very important section of, of the podcast, I'm going to hand over to Ricky for our 60-second challenge. Righty-o. Here we go. <laughs> so um, here's a bit of blurb for you. Uh, the rules are simple, <laughs> which always <laughs> it always fills you with trepidation as you go, well, they can't be if you have to say that. Anyway, <laughs> they are. I promise you, they are. Um, so... Um, I'm going to ask you uh, some quick fire questions. Uh, Answer them as fast as you can to see how many you can answer in 60 seconds. You can pass, but this won't add to your final score. It feels very serious and dramatic. I know. It's great. (laughs) It's brilliant. Uh, We're missing the drama, obviously, on stage. Um, We'll add your score to the leaderboard to see who is the overall winner. And at this stage, for our listeners, at the time of recording, uh, both Saoirse and Jamie are both neck and neck in, in pole position. Um, in rehearsal, I actually really won because I got 14, correct? But um, that doesn't count because that was a rehearsal, you see. Uh, but in performance, <laughs> Saoirse and Jamie both scored 10. So no pressure there at all. Hashtag thing. <laughs> Uh, so we have uh, Gavin's on the clock. Um, he's also on the bell of glass. Uh, he will let you exactly shown here. Uh, if you want to just give us that a ring again, Gavin. Lovely. Um, <laughs> that will let us know when the 60 seconds is up. Paula, are you ready? I am. I'm feeling nervous now. Yeah, me too, strangely. Right? Um, okay. Let's be nervous together. Okay. <laughs> Gavin, are you ready with your bell? As it were. Yes, yes. good. Okay. Start the clock. Paula, hot or cold food? Hot. Beer or wine? Both. <laughs> if you could change your name, what would it be? Um, uh, 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 Clara Paris. Beautiful. What was your first job? I was a carer. Uh, if you could win an Olympic medal for any sport, real or fake, what would it be? Pie eating. Dogs or cats? Uh, dogs. Don't tell my cat. Uh, what's the first theatre show you ever saw? Oh, it'd probably be a um, a pantomime. What's your favourite book? 
<sighs> Anything by uh, David Williams. David Williams, the author, not the comedian. Cake or biscuit? Both. <laughs> I'm not sure that's really an answer. Sweet or savoury? Sweet. What are you currently reading? Um, Noam Chomsky's The Essential Chomsky. Oh, and that's the bell. That is the bell. We're saying bell, uh, listeners. Um, <laughs> Loosely. holding up a um, tumbler and a teaspoon. See, very Brechtian, this, everyone. We're using with what we have. Very imaginative, uh, very Brechtian. Okay. Well done, Paula. I, I, we can chill now. We can relax. Um, here's a very sort of cruel question to ask you. How many questions do you think you answered? Like seven? Oh, well, well, I can tell you, according to my notes, you uh, answered ten questions oh the same in one minute yeah so as we we probably know the answer is where does that put us on the leaderboard well neck and neck so we've got everyone at the 10 apart from my rehearsal but that doesn't count <laughs> just saying. Uh, so yes so so our guest next week is gonna have to i mean we're gonna have to do some training or something i was trying to ask them very quickly as well to help but um I don't know what's going to happen. So no pressure to our next guest who will reveal next week. I well thought done. Paula did. Yeah, well done. I thought Paula did really. I did a lot better than that, I thought. But yeah, I was just engrossed. That's what it was. <laughs> too much thinking time. Yeah, Way yeah. too much thinking time. I need to train. There was a couple of boasts as well. So if we're going to get very <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. but literally both. Stick them together and I would eat or drink both together. You so. wouldn't drink wine <laughs> and beer together. I absolutely would. <laughs> Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold you to that. Okay, fab. <laughs> okay, huge thank you, Paula, for joining us today. It's been fantastic to talk to you and catch up and walk down memory lane. Um, can you tell our listeners where they can find you on social media, any digital work you're involved in, and where they can find your EP? Yes, certainly. I am on Twitter at Paula underscore James. Uh, I am quite old, so that's sort of all I have. And it'll take me a while to realise you've tweeted at me, but I will <laughs> at some point realise. Um, I've got a website, paulajames.co.uk. Um, digitally, I think all my digital work is done at the moment. Um, you can buy the EP on Amazon and iTunes. Um, and yeah, watch this space. Hopefully something this year that I'll be able to um, announce if we're allowed to do things Great. so yeah. yeah yeah there's um so much more i wanted to talk to you about uh, talk <laughs> with you um about today so hopefully we can have you on again um and at the end for the listeners we're gonna play uh, your titular uh single from your ep shelter aren't we um yes. so stay tuned for that after all the messages at the end you'll be able to hear paula's beautiful track Lovely. Um, well, thank you for having me guys thank you very much uh, thank you everyone for tuning in uh, we'll be back next week with another Spotlight On podcast until then find out how you can get creative and get involved with our year of exploration by checking out our Facebook page Twitter prof profile at Lazarus Theatre and bits and bobs on our Instagram at Lazarus Theatre all the details can be found on our website www.lazarustheatre.com I've been Gavin Harrington Odedra I've been Ricky Jukes. Until next time, stay safe and stay well. Lazarus Theatre Company is a not-for-profit organisation that relies on the generous support of our friends, angels and principal supporters. 
If you wish to support this podcast or any of the work that Lazarus Theatre Company is doing, you can visit the Lazarus Supporters page on our website, lazarustheatre.com forward slash Lazarus hyphen supporters. Or you can send any amount to paypal.me forward slash Lazarus Theatre. Every bit counts. You have been listening to the Spotlight On podcast hosted by Ricky Dukes and Gavin Harrington Odedra, produced by Lazarus Theatre Company. The music you've been listening to is composed by Bobby Locke and is from our 2016-2017 production of the Caucasian Chalk Circle by Bert Albrecht. Their love, their love